0: Welcome to the Sunday Tennis Q&A with high-performance coach Chris Lewitt. Chris Lewitt is an internationally respected author and educator and is regarded as one of the leading junior development coaches in the world. Join Chris Weekly for the most intelligent tennis talk show on the planet as Chris answers questions from his audience around the world. And now, here's Chris.
1: Hey, guys. What's up, amigos? It's the Prodigy Maker Show. I am back, Chris Lewitt, after a brief hiatus. We missed the last couple weeks. I'm very sorry to our loyal fans and followers. I've been traveling, been up at Vermont at the club getting ready for summer camp. And also I've been uh, headed to, I was in D.C. with my family for my daughter's spelling bee. She was in the Scripps National Spelling Bee. I don't know if some of you caught that on my social media, but she did very well. She didn't make the final cut, the last 50, but she placed, you know, she had a good placing and she spelled all her words right. So it was really a blast. We were down in D.C. for the National Spelling Bee. So for one week, I was a professional spelling coach and not a tennis coach. I put up my rackets and I brought out the spelling lists. But now I'm back to tennis. I'm gearing up for the summer, gearing up for summer camp. Our academy is starting in just a couple weeks now, so I'm very excited that I will be going back to my one of my favorite places in the world, in Vermont, in the mountains. I have a club there, and we run a high-performance program there for players from all over the country, uh, even some international players come there. So I'm very excited about that, only for competitive players. It's not a recreational camp, only for serious kids who are competing in tournaments and things like that. So I've got that on the horizon, and I've been working very hard to get ready, and I'm kind of excited to do this new time of the show. I know a lot of friends requested that I do a show where folks in Europe could tune in or or log in live and maybe ask some questions, because normally we do this show on Sunday night, every Sunday night at 9.45 p.m. New York City time. I'm in New York City now, but... Today, I thought we'd mix it up. This week, we're doing the show Tuesday at 4. It's 4 p.m. here in New York City, so some folks across the pond in Europe can catch in and tune into the live broadcast, and maybe we can get a, a, a different conversation or some different perspectives on the game and on some of the topics at hand that way, but I did just want to talk about Uh, Summer camp a little bit and summer academies because I know many parents are are looking to get into camp right now If they haven't already signed up and I wanted to talk about What to look for in a high-performance program in the summer and also talk about some of the perils and pitfalls that you may face uh, in a summer camp environment and I did want to touch on some of the variety shots of the game the the drop shot I've been working on that a lot lately because I've been studying the Tony Nadal Teaching system uh, from Spain. He has a new online teaching system. It's really, um, I think it's an amazing course. It's very expensive. I didn't care. I paid for it anyway because I love learning about Spanish tennis. You know, that's one of my passions. I wrote the book, The Secrets of Spanish Tennis. And anything related to Spanish tennis, I'm sort of obsessed with. So I had to get Tony's course, and I've been studying. Uh, All three levels, he has three levels to the course. He has a beginner level, an intermediate level, and an advanced level. And there's even a psychology, uh, like a mental training uh, module as well. But I just think there's a lot of quality content in the Tony Nadal system, the online course. I I have no affiliation with them, so I, I don't know if any of you guys are interested. But if you haven't watched any of those modules, any of those lessons, they're really... I think they're really good, and they're professionally filmed, and they have a lot of content. They have a lot of different exercises from his system, and he talks a lot about his philosophy. So I highly recommend that. Again, I have no affiliation with them. I don't get a referral fee for that or anything. I just think it's really well done, and it's very hard to get access to the mind of a guy like Tony. He has historically been very secretive and very taciturn. It's a good spelling bee word, he's been very taciturn, he hasn't, he, he's been quiet, you know, he doesn't like to share his system, and now for the first time he, he's, he filmed a lot of it online, so anyway, my point is that in his system he spends a lot of time developing the drop shot and the feel, and that's something I've always been a big fan of, and I've incorporated it into my own game. Uh, my own competitive game, and I've been working on it a lot with my players, so I also wanted to talk about that. Maybe if we have time to discuss the, the cousin or the sister or brother of the drop shot, which is the slice backhand, which I also think is very important to develop for high-performance juniors. And in, in relation to that discussion, you have to talk about the volley. Like, where does the volley fit in? Should the volley take a higher priority than the drop shot, or should the volley... Uh, be taught after the slice and drop shot, and what order should they be taught and what what and what priority and How do they fit into building a, a serious players game? So that's sort of uh, The topics at hand and as always I take questions from the viewers around the world So if you have a question about technique or about Spanish tennis, those are my two areas of expertise I'm an expert technician. I build the hardware of young championship players and I also am an expert on the Spanish way of training and, and and teaching. So those are my two primary passions. If you have any question about competitive tennis, about junior development, especially high-performance junior development, that's my field. That's what I do. I live that every day in the trenches. I'm a, I'm a coach who works all the time on court. I'm not just writing and theorizing in the office. I, I am... I am a hands-on coach. I work with all my players at my uh, summer academy, which is coming up, and I work with all my players uh, one-on-one or in groups here in New York City, so I'm an active coach. I'm not just a, you know, someone who's theorizing, uh, uh, who's thinking about things in the abstract. I'm applying all these concepts and all of these uh, principles I'm actively testing in the laboratory of the tennis court with my players, so... Let's see who's signing in here. I see a lot of uh, old friends and some new faces. I want to say thank you to Jonathan Sedgmore, my good friend from across the pond. Probably uh, getting closer to bedtime there, Jonathan. But thank you for waving. Thank you for tuning in. Igor Jevtik is watching. Thank you. See some new viewers on the program. It's really cool to have you guys. I really appreciate you taking the time to tune in and watch the show. Emma Dim is waving. Thank you, Emma. Gayathri Fernando is waving. Carlos Carrera is a regular on the program. What's up, Carlos? Thank you very much for watching. Ronnie Maez is also another regular on the show. Thank you. Appreciate the support, guys. You guys are what makes this show great. If we can get a conversation going, that's great. If, if you just want to listen in to my thoughts and uh, observe the conversation from a distance, quietly, that's I know a lot of people like to do that as well. And I would like to remind all the the viewers and listeners that this show is archived and replayed as a podcast on all your favorite podcasting platforms like iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud and and many others, Spotify. So you can get this show as 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 a podcast and you can listen to it when you're busy. I love to listen to podcasts when I'm working out, for example, when I'm running or in the gym. And you can, of course, watch the show on Facebook, and we archive all the shows at our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt, youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. So let's kind of dig into the the program a little bit. Summer camp, the the biggest thing that I would watch out for, if I was a parent and I'm looking at summer academies, if I have a high performance player, is I want to make sure that my kid is getting a lot of attention. What happens many times is parents put too much trust in the managers and the the directors and the coaches of a a camp or an academy, and they just sort of drop off their kid. And that takes a lot of trust. I I would say that I would almost never do that unless you have a personal relationship with the coach, with the head coach, and, and you really know that your son or daughter is going to be treated well and get a lot of attention. I think the smartest parents are usually on site at any academy, not just for the summertime, but maybe particularly in the summertime, because unfortunately what happens with summer programs is a lot of academies and clubs, they they make the bulk of their money in the summertime, so they bring in a lot of volume, they bring in sometimes hundreds of players, and it's a way for them to sort of boost their bottom line, their, their profits. And I think that's very dangerous. If you're looking for a high-quality summer experience, it's, it's very dangerous if your son or daughter gets trapped. If your player gets trapped in a place like that, that has an influx, a, a deluge of hundreds of players coming in, and they don't know anyone, they don't have a personal relationship with anyone on the staff there, you're just not going to be able to get a high quality experience. You, you're, it's very easy to get lost in the, in the shuffle to get uh, lost it, down in the cracks. You know to slip through the cracks, and your player will probably have a subpar experience. So you just got to watch out for places that are doing really large numbers, where they may be forced to put too many players on a court. You know I recommend you look for a summer camp. And an academy in general some of these principles go for any academy year round but particularly in the summer that you look for an academy that puts two or three players per court I prefer that now some places get away with four I prefer the Spanish way which is two and sometimes three unless they're doing something with doubles like a doubles exercise or something like that but the the best academies in Spain they keep to a very strict two player per court and coach ratio so every group, it's not really a group, it's like a semi-private, uh, two players per court. If you can find something quality like that in the summer, it's unbelievable. Over there in Europe, my one of my favorite uh, places in summer, just uh, off the top of my head, they maintain a very strict ratio, is Barcelona Total Tennis, BTT. Again, I have no relationship with them other than we are, we are friends, and I visited and trained there many times, but that's one example of a place that is very proud and very strict about their ratio because they believe it keeps the quality high. Another one is Bruguera Academy in, in Spain. They do a really awesome job. And in some summers, they have gone a little over in the numbers, but of, of, of summers late, they've maintained a very good ratio, usually two players per court and coach, which is unbelievable quality in the summertime. And there are, you know, those are two off the top of my head that I really admire for keeping a good ratio. And you have to just be careful, guys. Be careful of some of the big names. I'm not going to name names right here, but you know who I'm talking about. The real big commercial names, maybe with some famous players at the at the helm uh, who are maybe uh, not, not there, uh, but they have their name on the marquee, and... You just have to be careful. Those are the places that bring in big numbers where it's very easy for your kid to get lost in the shuffle. Another thing is, with camps or academies in general, is is the big name coach, the guru, the, the top dog, the El Jefe, you know, the boss, the legend, whoever it is who's on the marquee, the big name, does that person, is that person actually there in the summer or anytime? Because a lot of them are not, or they're there very infrequently, they're on site very infrequently, and does that person actually work with all of the players who come in? And usually the answer is no. Those big name gurus, they they sometimes take the summer off they may be traveling with players they may be traveling with professional players or ITF juniors and they may be there very infrequently so i mean what's the point of that if they're not if you know if you pay a lot of money for uh, somebody's name i don't think you're getting much out of that that deal so it's very exciting if you can get access to a great tennis mind to a, to a legend but that legend has to be there and they have to be willing to work with your player. That's the other thing. You get sometimes the the famous coach, the the really high level coach, the legend is is there, but he or she only works with the best juniors at the academy. So the top ranked kids. So they don't spend any time with the with the the beginning tournament players or the beginners who are coming up, the young ones, the U ten players. And I think that's a shame because, in my opinion. Sometimes the little ones need need even more guidance, and it's more critical that they get professional instruction than the older ones. Of course, it's important for all the ages, but the little ones oftentimes get the youngest coaches, and I think that's a mistake at many summer camps and at uh, many academies in general. The young ones, and I, I specialize in young player development. I work with a lot of prodigies. You know, the show is called Prodigy Maker, and that's that is my brand and I'm very proud that I work with many young children as young as four or five years old and some of them are just starting out their tennis journey if not their their competitive tennis journey. I love to shape those little guys and girls. That is my passion as a tennis coach but I know that many Top coaches don't do that. They, they look for older players who are transitional pros. They look for players who are already formed. And they don't specialize in the hardware, in building the technique, the technical foundation of those little superstars, those little kids. And, you know, you have to know what you need. So another, another thing for summer camp and academies is, for example, if you have a, a very well-formed player who has a high-ranking, or a high UTR, uh, national ranking, or an international ranking, then you may not need a great technical coach. You know, you you probably, that player probably has excellent technique, and they need a lot of uh, match play. They need an environment that's maybe, maybe a little larger with more variety of players. Like the legend Jose Higuera says, the Spanish legendary coach Jose Higuera, he says, you need to have a really good diet at that level so your nutrition as a player is is what your match play the players that you practice and play with that's your diet and you have to have a, a variety in your diet he says to be healthy and to grow as a tennis player and I think he's right so when you have a a very well-formed player who is technically sound they don't need uh, so much instruction they don't need a lot of technical advice or cues They need a lot of match play. They need strong, challenging competition, strong practice partners. And that comes uh, usually at a slightly bigger academy. So in that case, bigger is probably a little better for those types of players because they're well-formed. And they need a variety of challenging opponents. On the other hand, if you have a player who is younger, uh, who still needs technical work or lots of footwork, or they're, they're working on specifics then i think a smaller academy in general is probably a better fit just as a general rule the other thing is you got to know your player and know your player's personality some kids don't do well in a big environment they may be reserved they may not be as social and they would thrive better in a smaller camp setting you know for example my my camp my high performance camp we have maximum 25 players a week So that's pretty small on the spectrum of summer camps. And the reason why we do that is because I work with all the players myself. I have a team of coaches, but I I try to spend time each day and each week with all the kids, like literally, personally, on court. And also I want to get to know all the kids personally, myself. And it's just not—it's just impossible. If I go bigger than that, it would be impossible to get to know every player. It would be more like a, a numbers game. I—I I never like doing that. And so, that's an example of a small uh, academy where you can get a lot of personal attention and connection with the, the head coach. And then some academies run into the hundreds per week. You know, they could have a hundred students, two hundred students coming in, and that's a massive influx of players, and it, it's, it can be very difficult to manage all those players, the different personalities and the desires and whims of those players, and to make them all happy and to give them all what they need in an individualized way. But what I'm saying is, when they're well-formed... Okay, you want to say hello? Because I'm on the show. This, uh, this is uh, my family. This is the super speller I was talking about. Say hello. And this is my superstar runner here who's got a big race tomorrow. And I told him he has to rest. Hello. And you're going to rest, right? You're not going to go running right now, right? I'm
0: going to go running. Then
1: you're not going to get a PR tomorrow. You're not going to get your best race tomorrow if you go running. It's up to you, buddy. Do you, want to, do you want to leave everyone in the dust tomorrow or do you want to, you know, be sucking wind? What? Legs are going to be tired. You're going to be a little breathing heavy because you're, you're, you need to rest today. Okay, I'll go play manhunt. Don't play manhunt. Manhunt is a game where he runs around the neighborhood chasing his friends. I say you need to rest. We have a big race We're tomorrow.
0: we practice, but...
1: All right. Guys, it's great to see you. I'll be down. We're going to have a family... Thank you, honey. We're going to have family time after I finish this show. Bye. I'm surprised I got any quiet time up here. I'm trying to hide from my kids. So, Skye, I did want to say, Skye, uh, congratulations on your spelling bee. Awesome. It's my super speller there. Isaiah, if I, come, if I come down and find out you've been running around, I'm going to be upset. You, you can't run around. You have a race tomorrow. You have a big race. It's the biggest race of the year. I'm not going to run that much. You're being being stupid. (laughs) All right. We're talking about camp. All right. So basically, you got your big camps, your small camps. You want to make sure you get personal attention from the head honcho, the guru. You know, make sure that person is actually going to work with your kid. The other thing I don't like is, and I'm not going to name names, I don't like when you, you pay for a camp and then you find out that you have to pay like 300 400 an hour just to get a, a glance from the head guy. You know, I, I don't think that's really cool. If you pay for a camp with someone's name on it, let's say my name, you pay for my name with camp uh, and you come to camp, I think you should get some time with me because my name's on the... Program and I want to ensure the quality. So that's kind of how I feel about it personally. I don't like when you sign up for a camp and then you have to buy really expensive add-ons. You know, I don't think that's right. And I know that one of my mentors in Spain, Luis Bruguera, is really big on that point too. He's always told me that he hates that practice where academies do that in the summer, especially in the summertime. But right. So I would mention one other thing about camps, and I advise parents all the time about what, what to look for. But You know, the physical side, if you go to a a summer camp, you know, that's a prime time to get stronger, faster, to work on injury prevention, and you need a professional trainer to do that. Many academies sort of have a watered-down approach to fitness in the summer. I've noticed that at many camps that I've visited, even some of the best academies in the world, they don't take the fitness seriously. Why? Well, they don't want to get injuries. They don't want... Ruby, I'm on a, doing a live show.
0: Isaiah's just running out to play man with his
1: new shoes on. Hi. Hello. You want to sing a song for everyone? You want to sing one line? You want to sing a line? No. This is, uh, come here, Say, come give me a hug. This is my little one. Her name is Ruby. She has a beautiful singing voice. And sometimes she gets a little grumpy, but we're working on that. And someday, she would like to be on stage, We would like to win the singing show. Which one do we see?
0: Um, the Voice,
1: or American Idol. I don't know, she wants to be maybe a singer.
0: I mean, i got talent.
1: Do you want to play tennis, maybe? No, not only. No, none of my kids like tennis. Isn't that weird? The tennis is my whole life, and my kids aren't into it. Well, we have one more, we have a baby coming. Uh, so I have a chance with the last baby. We'll Gordon, see. Daddy. Yeah.
0: Isaiah just went out to
1: play Manhunt
0: after he said not to and he's in his
1: shoes. Ruby's reporting to me that Isaiah has gone outside to play Manhunt, which is a game where he runs around the neighborhood and sometimes get, almost gets hit um, by cars.
0: He's scootering, but I don't know if he's going to play He is. All right. Right now he's scootering.
1: We may have to end this program short. Cut it short so I can go out and strangle my my kid. Not literally. Not, not literally. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We won't cut the show short. We're going to stay on. But before I was interrupted, we were talking about camp. Physical training. You need a professional Daddy, trainer. What? What is it? I'm doing it. going to me and told him not to. All right. I'll be down. When the show's over, I'm going to go okay. wring his neck. All right. Bye. Love you. Thank you for talking so sweetly to us. Yeah. All right. If you have any questions about camp, let me know. Try to avoid the places that are jammed. Try to avoid the places that are name big name only, who, who's never around. Try to avoid places where the fitness is watered down and unprofessional. You know, that kind of thing. Some places they bring in so many kids, they let in, They're you know, they're, they're racking up the money. And now you got a lot of players who are not that serious, so they they, you know they don't want the kids to get injured, so they water down the fitness. They you know they go to the pool and swim for fitness or they play water polo or you know just play some fun and games. It's not really serious, you know. Like I think the summer camp is such an opportunity to get better. A lot of the kids don't have school in the summer, they don't have a lot of extracurricular work or or academic work so they can really push their tennis hard and improve their fitness as well as their tennis. It should be used efficiently and the time should be maximized in the summer. And when you sign up for a camp that's too jammed with players or that's uh, got some of those other Defects that I mentioned you 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 don't maximize your players improvement So those are some thoughts on camp if you have any additional questions about that. I answer camp questions all the time obviously because I run a camp and and Parents are usually trying to pick my brain about what they're looking for and I recommend a lot of camps I recommend a lot of academies. I have I field emails every week from parents looking for setups for their kid in Spain for example because I'm You know, I'm known as an expert on Spanish tennis, and I visited all the academies in Spain. So I I, this is a territory that I'm very familiar with, recommending camps and academies. So moving on to a topic near and dear to my heart is the drop shot. And the way I see it for junior development, I see the drop shot as a cousin or a sibling to the volley, And the slice back and to me they're They're similar skills. They use a similar grip structure usually one uh, a universal grip like a continental and They usually all have backspin for example. They use they use backspin and They have similar motoric movements, so biomechanically. They're typically high to low and you're trying to cut down on the ball Either aggressively or subtly to to uh, make the ball stop or skid so to me they're they're all related movements And I try to teach them as a package, you know, but I think for me one of the most important things is is Having that drop shot weapon to attack a player who doesn't like to come forward there are many players in junior tennis I, I work with a lot of kids who are young who are very comfortable moving laterally and if a player can expose them to a short ball then they 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 become quite uncomfortable and they don't feel uh they feel awkward up there and they're vulnerable as they move forward but if your player doesn't have a good drop shot then they can't exploit that and they can't they can't they don't have a way to bring the player in and to to uh, to show that vulnerability to to reveal that vulnerability so I work on this a lot with my players there's a lot of exercises in the Tony Nadal system that he uses to develop the feel he likes to work on the acceleration so the the big forehand uh, weapon with power and then the deceleration working on the drop shot uh, the soft uh, soft shot that brings an opponent in and, and i'm I'm a big believer in that I think in many ways, when a kid is young, the drop shot is more important and more powerful than the volley. I'm sure some of you might disagree. You're welcome to post a comment or a question about that if you do disagree. But I know here in the US that many coaches teach the volley first as opposed to the drop shot or slice backhand. And I think that that's fine if you want to teach the volley. That's cool. I like to teach the volley too. But I like to tell my players that coming to net is not always as important as bringing someone to net. And when I was a kid, I I never ever even thought of that. Never occurred to me to try to bring my opponent forward. I always tried to move forward myself. And so I try not to fall into that trap when I'm coaching my players. I I, I want them to move forward if they can. If they can finish at the net, that's fantastic. And I, I wanted them to have a good volley base. But as far as uh, the idea, the tactical idea of bringing someone in, I want them to consider that as a very reliable and powerful strategy against certain types of players. So that that means they're going to have to use their intelligence, they're going to have to use their matchcraft and their understanding of the game to try to figure out if the drop shot will be viable and will be successful against whoever's across the net from them. So it it takes some tactical training as well as, of course, technical training. So we're doing an article series with John Yandel of tennisplayer.net that's coming up this month. John Yandel is a very well-known videographer and magazine publisher, and he's coming from California to my camp in Vermont. And we're, we're going to be filming a number of articles, video articles, and one of the articles will be on the drop shot. So I I'm very excited to share with all the the viewers and the readers some of those exercises. A lot of them are from Spain. And also sort of my technical approach to developing the drop shot in young kids. I mean, you can start teaching that very young, under 10. And certainly I think... I'm amazed that coaches spend so much time on the volley at a young age. Of course, you want a well-rounded player who can volley and, and finish at the net. But for me, the drop shot is much more... Much more valuable at a young age, especially as you get older and you have more power, you have more weapons. Then the movement forward becomes more makes sense. You also are are bigger and taller with a longer wingspan, and so as an older player, the net becomes better percentage play because you're bigger, you hit harder, and you can cover the you can cover the net. Uh, Well, but when you're little, it's very easy to throw a lob over your head. It's very easy to pass you because you don't have a long reach for one. And you're not able to hit as powerfully and to hurt your opponent as well to make that movement forward. In juniors, we see a lot of kids who hit moon balls, who play consistently from deep in the court. And the drop shot can be a devastating strategy against those types of players a very important shot skill to have when you play a kid who's a grinder who hangs back in the baseline and plays a consistent game like a wall some people call them a pusher drop shot is a very powerful weapon against the pusher I have a saying that the drop shot is the most powerful shot that's not powerful and when you play someone who loves to move left and right, and you start bringing them in, you start sucking them into the net like a magnet, and then you play a lob over their head, it's really fantastic. Another thing with young kids is there's a saying here in the U.S. that the drop, uh, the overhead is the worst shot in junior tennis. So I tell my players that the overhead, you know, most kids don't hit, don't hit a very good overhead. They don't have a great smash. And what's the best way to exploit that? Well, you got to have a good drop shot to bring them in. If you can bring your opponent in, then you can start lobbing them and make them hit that shot that they don't like up above their shoulders, the smash, or the overhead. And I love that strategy. It works really well. It can work at all levels and all ages, but particularly when kids are young because kids are not very tall and they don't practice their overhead very much. Most juniors have very poor smashes. So there again, the drop shot becomes a critical element in a game plan, in a tactical game plan. It's really in some ways shocking to me that more junior development coaches don't, don't work on the drop shot. It's, it's amazing because when you think about it in the tactical context, you think about it strategically, how essential it can be to winning at, at the young level, 10 and under, 12 and under, 14 and under, it's, uh, it's an essential shot to have in order to uh, exploit the baseliner's vulnerability. So in that respect, I think we should teach it more. I think you can teach it in concert with the volley. I like to teach them both in, together, you know, in, in, a, in, in, har- in some ways in harmony. And I try to explain to my students that, look, sometimes when you play a match, you, you want to bring your opponent in right? And sometimes in a match, you want to go in. And it depends. And I think that's a very refreshing take on it. And I don't, I was never taught that when I was a kid, but I definitely try to get that message across to all of my uh, tournament players and all of my young, all of my young students who I'm mentoring. I say, look, you need both. And both of them can, they're two sides to a, a sword, and they both cut very well. You just have to know when to use it and, and who, what your, who, your opponent, uh, who your opponent is and whether it's going to affect them or not. If you're playing a kid who has an amazing serve and volley game, loves to attack, you might not want to bring them into the net as much because they obviously love it up there. But if you play a grinder or a pusher who's standing 6, 10 feet behind the baseline, grinding moon balls, just, you know, hitting a lot of fluff, playing, uh, playing, pushing the ball, those kinds of players, they only come to net to shake hands typically. So the drop shot against that type of kid can be tremendously effective. And it can really disrupt their game. It can change the whole rhythm of a match. Another thing. The drop shot for me is probably the most powerful tool for psychological warfare. And that's another saying that I have that I, I, I use a lot with all of my students when I'm on the court. I say the drop shot is the greatest tool for psychological warfare, probably next to cheating. So a corollary of that would be the drop shot is the best legal means of messing with your opponent's psychology that the to cheat is obviously illegal it's extremely disruptive players cheat a lot because it disturbs sometimes destroys their opponents mental state it, it is an amazing it's amazing in that way I know it's illegal and I don't advocate that but it's incredible how even one bad line call or uh, mixing up of the score intentionally Or even unintentionally can take away a player's flow and focus and the drop shot is a legal tool to do that the drop shot is so annoying and so disturbing and disruptive to the rhythm of a point that it it can drive players bananas can drive players nuts and so for that reason too when you have young kids who are still developing emotionally Many young torment players do not have a great emotional control. They haven't learned to focus as well as their older counterparts. And the drop shot is is deadly in the sense that it can really get under a kid's skin, can ruffle feathers, it can cause a lot of distress on the other side of the net. Players who are fragile, God forbid you have a player on the other side who's a bit fragile mentally. If you start drop-shotting them, if you drop-shot them and throw up a high lob and they miss the smash in the net, the player's going to lose it, they're going to blow up, and you may have turned the whole tide of the match psychologically. So, for me, for these many reasons, I think the drop-shot in is... More arguably more important, I would say more important than the volley uh, to teach at a young age. I would say you, you want to teach them both. But I actually believe in overweighting the drop shot a little more than the volley at young ages. And if my players show an aptitude for the net and they like to come in, they have a personality that is Aggressive and they like to attack. As I start to see that as the years go by, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, as you know, you get to know your player and you will know if that player is going to have a real aggressive all court game. And then you can start overweighting the net. For example, if you have some juniors who are they love to play doubles and they've shown they show some initial success up there, that's an indicator that. You can really harness and hone uh, the net game of those kids, and you will see that some players are more temperamentally defensive or conservative. And those players, you know, it may make sense for them to have a, a, a decent volley, a solid volley, but it doesn't need to be a, an incredible weapon. They don't need to be uh, as adept at the net as as a player who's going to go there a lot more. So it's important as a coach to be in tune with your player to understand their personality, the way they're wired, and to overweight or underweight what you're working on in practice depending on their personality. So the more conservative players, you know, they they uh, they tend to stay back more. They maybe don't need to volley as well as the guy who's going to rush and crush and attack at, at all moments. You know, like you have your Federer's and your Nadal's. And does Nadal have a good net game? Yeah. Absolutely, and it's important that he does have a complete game up there, but he's not going to make as many entries as a guy like Federer, uh, who is really uh, even even more gifted at the net than than most guys on tour. So th- those are the sort of the breakdowns uh, that I see. And another thing is that personality-wise, not not every kid is wired to go to the net, and not every kid is wired to drop shot. So if it takes a creative kid to explore the geometry of the court, and I think you can foster that as well. It doesn't always need to be uh, something that's natural in a player, something that's innate. Some, sometimes with a young kid, like let's say you have a kid six, seven, eight, or 9, you can encourage the creativity in that young player. You can encourage them to see the full geometry of the court, to explore the service boxes, as I often say. You know, how many players do you see that, who explore the service boxes? with their shots. Do they play sharp angles? Short. Do they play drop shot? Do they play short slice in the service box? Not many. The creative ones do. They realize that deep shots are not the only way to play in tennis. As the great Pato Alvarez from Spain says, a short shot is worth as much as a deep one. An angle is worth as much as a power winner. A uh, soft shot down the middle can be as good as a hard shot to the corner. This is quoting directly from the legendary Pato Alvarez from Spain. And I think he's right. And I think many times young players don't get that message from their development team, from their coaches, or from the club or academy where they're, they're, they're uh, training. And I think that's a shame. Because most kids, that that vision and that geometric Creativity can be fostered. It can be encouraged and developed. It can flourish in the right environment, and it can also be squashed. So when you have coaches who are teaching a very sterile, very rigid, strict method, and they teach the players to hit hard, sometimes flat, which I'm not a big fan of, uh, and deep, you know, when that is the, the only diet that they're, those players are eating – then I don't think it's the healthiest environment for a young kid. When you have an environment, a coaching environment, an academy where the players are encouraged to see the full geometry of the court, to see the service boxes, not just the big box where you hit deep, but also the short boxes. And they're encouraged to them to experiment with different spins and with drop shot and with uh With volley, too, to move in and volley, I think when you when you have an environment like that that fosters creativity uh slice back end is another that that we were going to touch on today if we have time. you know slice back end is another way to explore the short service boxes. Slice back end is another way to change the rhythm of a point. You want to encourage players to not only to play with the depths sometimes play deep sometimes short to play with the full angles of the court but also to play with different spins of the court as uh, on the court as well. So spins with the ball. And I think it's just a shame where if you have a a developmental system that doesn't allow or, or foster some of that creativity. Now that being said, some young kids, they just, they're not creative souls. They're not artists. You know, they're not artists. They can't, they're not going to do it. And, I think it's important also to recognize who you got in front of you. If you have a little kid who's not an artist, if you have a little kid who's not a magician, all your time trying to get them to play magically, trying to get them to be an artist, because only some kids have that skill. So it's a double-edged sword, guys. It can cut both ways. You want to have an environment that is fostering creativity, but also when you... When you have a personality in front of you who's not that creative, I mean, yeah, develops a little bit of variety, but don't overdo it, because if you if you try to teach too much variety to a kid who's not really into it, it's a waste of time, it's actually going to backfire. And I know some top coaches in Spain who I've discussed this subject with a lot, and they, they said to me, you know, yeah, we want we want a complete game, we want variety, but... Not at the expense of being solid and organized. And sometimes, when you have a, a system that is too freewheeling, that's too creative and uh, too flexible, you know, that it's not, uh, doesn't have enough structure, some kids get lost in a system like that, in, uh, learning wise, per, uh, in, in terms of their, the way they learn and the way they develop. <clears throat> So, for example, some kids w- won't find a, a good organization or, or order in their game if they're constantly being asked to drop shot all the time. Or if you constantly ask them to slice a lot, but they, they struggle with that, and they don't really have the vision or the creativity to use a slice. I'm talking mentally, you know, the way their brain's wired. Not physically, because physically, anyone can learn a slice. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's, it's, I'm talking about the mind and their inclination to be creative and artistic. And if a player is not really wired that way on the spectrum, you know, if they're way over on the the side where they play maybe a little dull and boring and they're, they're very concrete minded uh, kids, then you telling them to drop shot all the time or do this or that or different, it, it's it's just gonna It's gonna mess with their mind they're not gonna feel comfortable and they won't find a good rhythm in their game they won't find order in their game so I believe at the same time I just throw you guys a caveat and say that while you while you want to get that creativity you want to get a a complete game and, and different variety and tools like that you have to be careful because some kids won't respond to that and they will actually get a little bit lost in all that creativity uh, they will get lost in that variety. And for those kids, they benefit more from order and organization and structure and more rules to how they, they should play. Simple strategies with a, with a little bit less creative decision-making. And you'll just have to figure out who you got in front of you.
0: Thanks for listening to the show. You can find archives of all Chris's shows at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt or search Chris Lewitt on YouTube. You can watch the live video broadcast of this program weekly on Sunday nights, where you can ask questions and comment in real time on Facebook Live. Just search Chris Lewitt on Facebook to join the live show. Please share our programs with friends and join our online community. You can join Chris Lewitt's online tennis academy at clta.teachable.com or visit chrislewitt.com for more info. Chris's latest published articles... And additional video resources can be found at ProdigyMaker.com. Thanks again, and see you next time.